1: We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast.
2: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> this is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management, archaeology, and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 188 for April 22nd, 2020. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about headphones in the field and archaeology in the UK during the apocalypse. So put just that one earbud in because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Bill in Northern California. Hello. Doug in Scotland. Hi. Hi. Heather in Southern California.
2: (laughs) Happy birthday, Chris.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And uh, Stephen in Calgary. Hello. (laughs) Well, Heather, you you broke the ice on that. I was going to mention one thing uh, today. So we're recording this. I feel like it's important in this time frame for people listening in real time to mention the date that we're actually recording. We always mention the date in the intro. So you guys know when this came out but we always record about a week and a half ahead of time. So um, it's April 12th, 2020 right now. And, And I think that's important to mention the date because we are, of course, mentioning things related to coronavirus and things like that. And stuff is changing so rapidly that I don't want people to think that you know, when they hear this, they're like, "What are these guys talking about?" That the world is a completely different place now. Well, that's things are changing so quickly that that's what's happening. So, also, it, it feels like it's uh, February 42nd. So, I, <laughs> it's like, what day is it? I don't yes. know. Is, is
0: this a Tuesday? It could be a Tuesday. That's right.
1: Well, let's let's start it off with something uh, not virus related and something I'm looking forward to using. My wife today gave me. Uh, she got me these. Um, I now. I saw this uh, probably, I don't know, three, four or five months ago on a, on a review, like a pre-review, pre-release kind of review thing. But um, it's from Bose and they're sunglasses with basically, for lack of a better way to say this, basically speakers in the frames. Uh, now, this is not the Archaeotech podcast, yeah. but... But people in CRM archaeology, I'll tell you what, you can go to 10 different projects and you'll have 10 different headphones policies all the way from no, you cannot wear headphones because you'll get bit by snakes and you're on a mine, you idiot. And all all the way up to people just blasting music with both ears in because maybe you're on an excavation. Maybe that's okay. I don't know. There's a lot of polarizing thoughts around wearing headphones and various projects. And and there's a lot of regulation, too. Like if you are working on a mine, you really aren't supposed to wear headphones. It's just not allowed, Uh, even though. The parts of a mind that we're typically working on are the parts where like nobody is anyway. (laughs) Yet we still have to wear steel toe shoes and hard hats, (laughs) which always, always floors me. But anyway, these Bose sunglasses, uh, the first kind of cool thing about them is uh, you can replace the lenses. You can get prescription lenses for them. They come with UVA blocking lenses, UVA and UVB, uh, but you can get polarized lenses as well as a replacement. But then, like I said, you can get prescription lenses for them as too. Now these aren't the like bone conduction headphones that that were all the rage probably five six years ago and I haven't really seen much of since and those are basically headphones that they they hook on behind your ear and then conduct the sound basically through your skull. This is not that. Uh, these do have batteries in the uh, in the arms and they're they're really lighter than you would think they are. But they basically just have three speakers in each arm of the sunglasses and they direct sound into your ears. Now, if you're just, if you're sitting in like an airport or something wearing these, first off, why you're wearing sunglasses in an airport, but anyway, if you're sitting down (laughs) wearing these, people can hear the sound around you. They're not headphones that go inside your ears and they're not bone conduction. They're literally just speakers in the headphones that are directed towards your ears or speakers in the arms. That being said, they sound really great. And like I said, if they're up high, People can hear it around you, but if you're out in the field walking around, not only are you able to listen to podcasts or if you want to listen to music or something like that, that's great. But then your ears are fully exposed to all the things around you and you can hear all those things. Um, The new Apple AirPods that came out last fall had the what they call transparency mode, which kind of does the same thing. But still, you still have something blocking your ear canals, even though they're letting that sound in um, in that transparency mode. These don't cover your ear canals at all. And they've got a little tiny button on the frames where you can activate Siri, you can hold it down. And this is super cool because they have motion sensors inside the headphones. But if you hold down this button and turn your head to the right, it turns the volume up. And you turn your head to the left, it turns the volume down. And they also have a little microphone in them. So you can take a call on them as well, right on your sunglasses, which is just very cool. It's insanely cool cool to me. Yeah. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I I haven't even been outside with these in yet. She literally gave them to me a few hours ago, (laughs) like before this recording. And we were going to go on a walk and I've been, well, they look like, uh, honestly, they look like 80s black Ray-Ban sunglasses. Uh, And you can probably picture exactly what that means. They have two styles. This is the more ray banny style with the square rims. And then they've got the other style, which has got kind of more rounded rims, whatever you want. They're about $200, which, you know, if you're going to pay for a pair of Bose headphones, they're going to cost you about that anyway, Um, more or less, depending on what kind you get. But combined with a pair of sunglasses, that's not a bad value. Uh, If you want the prescription lenses, it's more than $300, but that includes prescription lenses. So... There's that. But I think it's super cool. I'm really excited to try these outside, uh, try these in the wind, try these, uh, you know, in different environments and and see how they are. The one thing I'm really worried about is sunscreen. Sunscreen eats through sunglasses and, yeah. oh. you know, eating through eating through a normal pair of sunglasses. I'm kind of like, OK, with that. But eating through a two hundred pair dollar two hundred dollar pair of sunglasses with, you know uh, speakers and batteries in the earframes right next to my skull <laughs> it's something have to think about. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if we ever
3: talked about this though, but when you have to wear earplugs in, did we ever figure out whether or not things like earbuds or I mean, AirPods or whatever are mm-hmm. good enough to to meet the regulations of the sound quality? Like I remember using skull candies back in the day because it seemed like when I was working right next to it. A jet runway, those idling jets, Mm -hmm. when I put in the earplugs, my ears would be ringing at the end of the day, even though they were supposed to be the right PPE. But if I listen to music for whatever reason, that made it not as bad at the end of the day after, you know, 10 hours of sitting right next to a runway. But I remember the construction guys were saying, you know, well, whenever the inspector or anyone came around or a supervisor, we had to put in the earplugs. But like, you know, 99% of the time we couldn't hear anyway. And so we just put in our music. And those seem to do better Mm -hmm. anyway, but I I don't remember if we ever figured out, you know, if that was, if that was appropriate or not. Because in this case, it seems like you just, you cover all bases. Like you have the tunes, but then you can put in the earplugs too. So when whatever inspector or, you know, occupational hygiene person shows up, you've got in the earplugs like you're supposed to, and then you also can listen to music.
1: Yeah, that would be real interesting because I don't know if you'd be able to hear the music with good earplugs because it's not bone conduction. As I said, it really is just tiny speakers focused towards your ear canals because they assume everybody's ears are shaped basically the same way. So they focus the sound. And it's really good sound too, by the way. I mean, it's not like you're wearing Bose earbuds or even the cans. Like I'm wearing Bose uh, headphones, like studio headphones right now uh, for my podcasting, but and it's never going to sound like that, but it sounds amazingly good. Like the tonal quality is really good, the bass is really good, the treble's really good. But with head with earplugs in or foamies, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, I don't think I have a pair. Here accessible to me that I could try them out on, but I'd be interested to see how that would work. But to be honest, I've never worn earplugs on an archaeology project. Uh, I mean, Uh, sometimes I may have out in a mine, but I've never been in a situation where I had to actually wear earplugs. I think I've just been lucky. Okay, Hmm. yeah. So I don't know. While we're talking about this, I mean, we're talking about all kinds of random things in in archaeology these days. Heather, I like going to you because you have a you work for a company that's you know that's like a legit corporation. <laughs> not, not that other people don't. I'll tell, tell me you said that. <laughs> <laughs> right. That'll but a sure lot it. of times. Yeah. Like people work for pure archaeology companies a lot where I mean it might be a corporation in title, but I mean come on. It's it's more of a family run business in a lot of cases. But you work for a, a corporation. You're one of the few people on this show that have. So I like going to you for different policies and procedures. Do so you guys have a headphone policy that's blanket across your company or is it like mm-hmm. up to the project manager in the situation
2: it's usually up to the project itself we don't have anything that's across the board we have recommendations that say in general we suggest you do this but every project is unique you are required to follow the rules of that project site so we have okay. we have you know we have uh, on our site we have and in our uh, employee handbook, we talk about OSHA, all the regulations that, that OSHA requires as far as earbuds and everything. But then we also defer to the project site. It can obviously never be less than OSHA, mm-hmm. but it can certainly be more. Sure. But we, we don't have a, a cross-the-board stance on earbuds or ear protection
1: yeah, my 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 general philosophy on the projects that I run is typically, obviously, like you said, you default to the uh, to the agency or organizations regulations. But if they don't have a policy against that uh, or for it or stating anything about it, then I'm generally like, listen, if we're on an excavation, then sure, you can you can have them both in if you're just cranking away and that helps you get work done. That's fine with me. Uh, it depends on. Of course, the context and and what we're doing, if we're in close quarters and people are swinging pickaxes, then, you know, maybe have an ear out so you can hear for something. But Mm -hmm. if you're out doing a survey, like pedestrian survey, I'm like, listen, no two headphones. I don't care who you are or where we're at. Don't put them both in. But you can put one in. And, you know, if you're listening to podcasts, that's great. If you listen to music, well, you need to make sure it's at a level where you can still uh, you can still hear somebody yelling towards you If we're having radios. And that's fine. You can usually hear that over anything. But then there's always like snakes and all kinds of stuff. And you got to be able to hear the rattle, <laughs> and right. hear the rustling yep. and things like that. And just be smart about it. You know,
2: I, I would have to say, I don't know if I'm the oddball here, but I don't see a lot of people with earbuds in. I, I do see them on construction sites. Mm hmm one, in their ear. But generally, I've I've never had somebody on one of my excavations that wears earbuds. Hmm. Now, I'd like to think that that's because I'm so terribly interesting to listen to (laughs) that nobody (laughs) would wear earphones. I think, I don't know, most most excavations, you know, we're in smaller quarters. And I think when you're working alone, it definitely is something Mm -hmm. that uh, people tend to do more, especially on surveys. But I've generally... I don't have a rule, but right. you're starting to make me think maybe I should.
3: <laughs> well, all, it sounds like you don't really listen to music at work, anyhow, though.
2: We don't. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, on on our projects, no, we have. It's a conversational environment. I, I, that's mm-hmm. our been my experience, and I'm out in the field a lot. We do a lot of talking. Sometimes I do bring a speaker out, and sometimes I'll place I'll play music um, if we're in an area that's not going to be annoying to you know, the client or the company or whatever. And sometimes we'll have some fun and, and play music, but it's for everyone. And, and we take turns mm. picking the music, but I, I haven't had too many people that have actually, went, certainly not in the excavation on surveys. Yeah. I have like, like you said, but the one earphone I think is a good idea, especially with snakes. Oh yeah.
3: What about everybody so, else? Do they cause I listen to music as much as possible in the field and it's just gotta be, you know, PG 13 basically. And. <laughs> when someone gets frustrated, they just tell someone to turn the channel. Right. And we just don't listen to that one thing. I mean, you're all at work, but yeah, yeah you know, you got to be able to hear everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: However, music is like all day. I don't know if maybe that's just me. What about everybody else? I mean, music, if we're excavating and we're in the same spot all day for 10 hours, I mean, got to do something to stay sane. It's not the th- the thrill of discovery is only going to take you so far.
2: <laughs> I think it's a, yeah. it's fun. The communal um, aspect and actually uh, of listening to the music together, I think is is fun at least. But I I actually I think this is is a little bit separate from music, but it's the same idea. You know, when you're having conversations, and I've been talking with some of my colleagues about how a project manager part of their job is to help that conversation along, not get into a negative space happens so often on sites and it can Mm -hmm. bring down the morale of a site so quickly that, you know, I really think, you know, I, I personally think that somebody who's a project manager or the crew supervisor, if you have multiple sites from with one project and a crew supervisor for each part of their job is keeping the morale up of the group. And part of that is, is regulating the conversation. Not to say that you, you cannot talk about this, but just, in a very pragmatic and elegant way, changing the subject to something else that's more positive. And I think, you know, we've had a couple, you know, everyone has projects that kind of go south and people start complaining and Mm -hmm. the negativity of the site just, it's, it's really, it can get away from you really quick.
1: So... I agree. And that's definitely, especially on an excavation, when when you are in close quarters for the entire time. And I I think as far as wearing headphones on an excavation, though, and and having external music, I mean, first off, you know, when I started... I don't know, 10 plus years ago, uh, my first like three years in archeology span were all excavations. It was crazy. Like I never did a single pedestrian survey or shovel testing survey. <laughs> like, I got just wow. luck of the draw. I was on a whole bunch of different excavations. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, this is what CRM is like. <laughs> Little did I know, but anyway, those were all in the Southeast United States as well. And I mean, when you first get on the project, Sure. uh, There's a lot of conversation because you're you're around new people or people you haven't seen in a while, depending on how long you've been in. And sure, there's a lot of conversations. But I mean, if you're going to be on this long term and my first site, I almost don't even count that project, but it was only a few weeks and then it snowed in North Dakota, Minnesota, and we were basically shut down for the winter and never went back. But uh, the next one I went on, uh, like a week or two later, was in Miami, Florida, starting in December, and we went until June that year. And there was already a crew. I, I joined an existing crew that had been there for a little while, and uh, and there were people that went on after after they r- uh, reduced the size of the crew. But we were there for a long time, and sometimes somebody had some kind of speaker or something out there. There's never any power, so you got to have somebody with a decent enough you know, music thing. And, and 10 years ago, that was more difficult than it is now, but it's still somebody has to have something that's weatherproof and can get dusty and they're willing to bring it out and keep it charged. And then the other thing is the type of music, of course, you know, it's gotta be something everybody likes. But I think in, in my experience, every single time, somebody would bring something out these days and then it's always like just going down into headphones. Now for me, I don't listen to music in the field. I listen to podcasts. So I'm going to put at least one headphone in or something and listen to, you know, listen to podcasts all day long. Uh, There might be music playing around and I'm fine with that. So that's excavation. But for survey, I almost prefer somebody has a headphone in, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because like this last project I was on, there were, I think, three out of four of us had headphones and we were all listening to podcasts (laughs) and one person did not. When when you get somebody who's chatty and wants to have conversations and it's windy out and you're 25 meters apart, Uh, it can mm -hmm. be really difficult to hear them without turning your head towards them. And guess what you're doing when you turn your head towards them? You are not looking at not the ground.
2: <laughs>
1: yep. <laughs> I almost prefer that we save the conversations for break and lunch, and in the ride out and the ride in, and we just focus on work. And one of the best ways to do that is to just have a headphone in and just kind of tune everybody else out. You know, look up every once in a while, make sure you are online and, and where you are supposed to be, but just focus on the ground. And the best way for me personally to do that is to just have a headphone in and have a podcast playing. And uh, it gets real hard when when somebody's trying to be chatty. And right. I don't know, you just can't pay attention. All right. Well, that was an unexpectedly long conversation about headphones, uh, related to, <laughs> <laughs> related to a birthday present today. So let's take a break and come back on the other side of this. Hopefully, you're able to listen to this in the field while you're you know doing some kind of work or or traveling out to a field site or something like that. But there's not a whole lot of work going on right now, so. Maybe you're listening to this over the summer. Who knows? Either way, we'll be right back. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high-quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to record high-quality audio with no stress on the guest. Just send them a link to click on and that's it. Zencaster does the rest. They even do automatic transcriptions. Check out the link in the show notes for 30% off your first three months or go to Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com and use the code CRMARC. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help.
1: Easter and people have things to do and it's my birthday and I don't want to do it. This is going to be the last segment of this particular episode. It's going to be a short one today. And since we just spent 10 minutes trying to get the uh, uh, software to work again, (laughs) I don't know (laughs) what's going on. Should be a light recording day for Zencaster, but uh, that's the software we use. But anyway, I wanted to get some insight from Doug about CRM over in the UK because we haven't really talked about that. We've talked about how coronavirus and and all these concerns and lockdowns and things like that are affecting CRM in this country. But uh, we do have a a fairly high number of UK listeners, and I'm curious as to what the impact is over there. So, Doug, what do you got?
4: Yeah, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag. So, Scotland has... Shut down all construction sites that are not not critical. So, like critical would be like building new hospitals or yeah. roads and stuff like that. Basically, Scotland for the most part is shut down. People are still doing things like desk based assessments, uh, little bits of work here, uh, post excavation uh, report writing, things like that. Uh, the UK has like England and Wales have not quite. Shut down construction, but a lot of construction has shut down. So mm-hmm. you need to be able to work and say two meters away from each other. So that means, you know, a single person to a vehicle because there's just no vehicles in the UK where you can get two people in a vehicle and be uh, two meters a- away from each other. Right. And so big projects like HS2 which is this big high speed rail project that has hundreds of archaeologists employed on it probably the biggest archaeological project in Europe maybe the world mm-hmm. that's still going on though there's you know little snags here and there but it, it's a real mixed bag so most of the major house builders have shut down and a lot of other projects have shut down mm-hmm. the UK in general Uh, it's, it's a bit complicated, but unlike say the United States, they've actually put, I mean, it's still pretty lousy, but they've actually put out a pretty decent support package. So Mm -hmm. you can furlough your staff and the government will pay 80% of their wages. So yeah, Mm -hmm. several thousand archeologists have now been furloughed and basically you just can't do any work, but you're on 80% of your wages, which is still better than if you were to get, you know, go on welfare or whatnot. The dole, as they call it over here. Sure. So yeah, there's that, but it's still pretty bad. Uh, I think a million people, even with this to keep people from, so the idea behind that was for companies not to fire their, all their employees and just to keep them on so that when things restart, you still have your employees and you're not suddenly looking around. Uh, and this is across every sector, everywhere in the UK. But even with that, something like a million people filed for unemployment benefits in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, there's that. And basically, I don't know, the the support's supposed to last till the end of May. Um, Realistically, it's going to have to go on for a couple of months beyond that. Mm -hmm. And then when they withdraw that, there's still probably not going to be a lot of work. So at that point that a ton of archaeologists are going to be unemployed Right. So a lot of people are sort of stuck in either working right now, furloughed on 80% of their salary, waiting for them to be, most of those people are not going to have jobs when when this ends. Or, mm-hmm. you know, end is a, we should put that in quotes. Because <laughs> that's that like, this is going to drag on for months and months, and there's going to be variations on that. But as soon as the government withdraws that furlough support, yeah, it's gonna be worse than the last recession, easily.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just heard yesterday they canceled uh Burning Man already, and that's at the beginning of September. So, you know, big gatherings and things like that are on for the year.
4: Yeah, I mean, realistically, so we're doing some estimates and it's I mean, we we still haven't even hit peak here yet, and there's not they haven't really mm-hmm. hit peak in the United States. So, you know, best case scenario is maybe you, know, you hit peak plateaus and then it goes down. So you're looking at double wherever the length of your previous lockdown time is. So sure. UK's been in lockdown for three and a half some weeks. God, like the days are sort of meld together, maybe four weeks. We haven't hit peak, so you know, we may have another two weeks for that. Maybe twelve weeks after that before they may start loosening up things. And that just might mean they withdraw all the support and tell people to get back to work and there's no work. So uh,
2: yeah, Mm -hmm. fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Not depressing at all. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. So, you know, we have unemployment here, so I'm trying to figure out where, how is that different where you guys are? I mean, we do have, we have first, we have the family's first response act that they enacted in, in March, middle of March. So that helps increase the unemployment and the extent of an unemployment, even for people that wouldn't uh, normally be eligible for it, for the benefits. So that has expanded at least that. And so we have a lot of companies right now are furloughing their workers or a lot just having them go on unemployment right now. So is that not the mm-hmm. case there?
4: Yeah, so you have a sort of very similar concept of unemployment in that like some of it's slightly based on your wages here. It doesn't make that much of a difference. Basically get roughly, there's like a very basic job seekers allowance, which is like 70 or 80 pounds a month. And then unemployment's maybe around 100, 120 per week. Right. Sorry. And job seekers is also like the basic, which is like 70 or 80 per week. So, I mean, like, yeah, you're looking at maybe 500 some maybe up to 600 some a month which is Mm -hmm. uh you know depends where you live may just barely cover your rent definitely not if you live in london right and so yeah there's that and there's there's other like support that will pay partial amounts of your rent but again it caps out at a certain amount that or That basically doesn't make London affordable. Right. Um, And then again, you can also get a bit of support for your mortgage payments as well. Uh, But it's all designed so that you actually can't live on it so that you're encouraged to go back to work. Right. Which is, you know, like most places in the States.
2: On the, you know, outside of this circumstance where people are really kind of stuck, that is a good concept. You want people to get back to work. But in this situation, they're really... You know we're at the mercy of somebody else's decision here, so yeah, yeah. it's
1: it difficult. And is London ever affordable for archaeologists in the UK? No, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. they, they actually,
4: so they have like a, they have a London waiting, so you get actually paid more to work in London, but like it's definitely not even remotely close to covering your costs. And so like some of the big companies actually in London, uh, MOLA Museum of London Archaeology is actually moving a lot of its staff out of London um, at the moment. And that's just because, you know, there's a lot of, before this happened, a lot of big, big projects that sort of ended and stuff. And it's quite expensive to be in London and yeah, try to make a living as an archeologist. It's, it's a bit ridiculous, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's pretty much, you know, somewhat similar system to the United States and the basic concept of, you know, unemployment benefits um, they've just cranked up a bunch of support for this, so like you can furlough your employees and the government will pay eighty percent of their wages um, up to a certain amount and all that sort of stuff. but even those even that support is so so, and a lot of the other things are they've been doing loans, so they've trying to encourage businesses to take out loans, which is not great because they eventually have to pay them back um and they haven't processed like I think. 300,000 applications, and they've processed like 1% of them after like three weeks. So, yeah, there's going to be in a couple of months quite a few archaeology organizations that are basically going to go under or mm. essentially lay off all their staff down to one or two people and then try to rebuild in the future. Wow. Un-
3: unemployment's always been so sketchy, anyway, as an archaeologist having to file for unemployment. You know, it's always just like a kick in the pants to see how little your state government, you know, in the places where I was filing too, they just totally didn't care at all about, you know, livable wage or livability on unemployment. But I think a lot of people now who had never actually been on unemployment are realizing even when they give it to you, it's not a panacea that's actually going to help. So do you see where there's any kind of like movement starting off now to provide, you know, livable wage or guarantee basic minimum wage just basically to lock these things in so that the government's kind of on the hook for this? Do you see that happening? Because I don't really see a lot of that happening here in the States.
4: So they, they did increase the uh, unemployment benefits a little bit when this came out. But again, I mean, it, it's a Tory government, which is like the slightly less fascist version of the Republican Party, but a same along the same ideological lines that like people shouldn't be getting any sort of support from the state – Um, There's a there's a great article I read where like anonymously one of the representatives from the Conservative Party was like shitting his his uh, colleagues and saying, "Guys, you need to remember we're the Conservative Party. We don't we don't do give out uh, handouts and stuff like that." Even though basically all MPs are like, "We really need to provide actual support." And there's been huge (laughs) huge gaps. So like if you're self-employed, there is some support they're trying to put together but it's super complicated. And if you like were self-employed in the last year, you basically get nothing. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: You have to, they're basically looking at like your last three years of taxes and then giving you a percentage of that, but only off of profit. So it's, you know, some people are like self-employed, but have a company. Some people are actually self-employed and don't have a company. And it's, it's an absolute mess. And so basically, yeah, maybe a third of Self-employed people, maybe a quarter, they don't actually know are basically have lost all work and are not going to get any support at all, or so little that it makes nothing. You know, a few few hundred here, and it's also much harder to get like unemployment if you're self-employed as well. You have to have like filed in a certain way, so it's uber complicated. And I imagine it's basically the same other than a few details it's basically the same of what you run into in the states which is very complicated try to keep people off benefits and it's not designed for a pandemic or actually it's not designed for recessions um, and it's mainly just mm-hmm. made to be abusive and mean to people so like it used to be that if you got unemployment you had to go into a job center ever, ever, you know, quite often and check in, like if you were running late, if you missed your appointment, they basically take away your benefits for weeks on end. And so most people don't have a vehicle in the UK, especially if you're on unemployment or on benefits. So, you know, bus runs late and that's you screwed for like six weeks with no benefits. And they've gotten, of course, they've got to get rid of that because of the coronavirus. But, you know, it's, it's the same it depends on what state you are in the States, but you know, they'll have all these crazy requirements about, you know, you need to do this. There's like, thank God no one's in Florida at the moment. And if you're a listener in Florida, I'm really sorry for you. Where like people are going in person to try to sign up for unemployment, you know, risking long lines because it's so horrendous to try to apply. So, I mean, it's, I hear the same stories from the States and the UK and there's not not a lot of difference Overwhelmed systems with too many people applying in a very short period of time and not enough uh, resources to handle it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think there should be two approaches. I don't know if I definitely think there should be a different approach to a situation like this. This is not, you know, your, people are stuck. They have no other option. They cannot work. It's a very different approach than someone who loses their job and is being encouraging them to go out and work again and uh, not get into that cyclical, you know, catch 22 of, of not being employable again. So, I mean, I understand both sides of it, but this is a completely different situation. There's just no opportunity for anybody to do anything. I do definitely think this is You know, obviously, I mean, for people that have had to deal with unemployment or any kind of government system, realizing how inefficient and poorly run it is, there's no reason in this day and age that we should not be able to handle, at least to some degree, processing uh, people uh, that are losing their jobs and, and getting them benefits right away. There should be no reason for that. And I just think that and a few of the other situations that have happened on the state level of not being able to handle the pandemic is definitely, you know, making it obvious that there needs to be some changes. I I hope it happens.
1: Yeah. You know, the thing I was thinking about during all this, too, was you can apply for unemployment. And I know at least here in the States and probably also in the UK, given the latitudes, you know, people are coming off of winter. And, and probably weren't attached mm-hmm. to a company where you would get certain benefits from that company being able to cover payroll with certain loans and things that they can get and grants so to cover payroll. So you're not on somebody's payroll. Right. So you have to actually file for unemployment versus... Uh, another way of getting paid, so just makes it more difficult for archaeologists in particular, because a lot of a lot of archaeologists are coming off a winter where they weren't on somebody's payroll. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that just sucks all around.
2: Well, the gig economy all around is had a lot of a lot of hard time.
1: Well, that's true. Yeah,
4: that was a loophole that sort of has kicked in. Not like actually, not a loophole. A unfortunate thing in the UK is you had to have been on a payroll on February twenty eighth. To be able to get furloughed all right Uh, so if you were like switching jobs and then uh, they haven't quite made it very clear so there's some people who like projects naturally ended in mid-march and the employer has been told that they can rehire people but then they've also been told they can't rehire those people and furlough them because their job was naturally going to end Mm. Uh, so there's actually no there's no clarity on that. So there's there's some people who just got like super unlucky. I mean, at the end of February, people had kind of heard about this. Everyone sort of knew something was happening, but no one was really planning to. I don't, like if you if you guys can remember back like four weeks ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> which seems like uh, four years ago, <laughs> we yeah, uh, did, we we didn't even really. Thought about talking about coronavirus mm-hmm. as impacting. Two weeks ago, we talked about this on, on the podcast because yeah, it definitely was. But four weeks ago, yeah. I mean, right. you didn't even think that far back, it wasn't on anyone's radar. So, so many people were making life plans to like, you know, go to a different project or start with a new company or those really unfortunate people who decided that they were going to be self employed or go out on their own in March mm-hmm. of this year, and then now are. Yeah, there's there's quite a few terms to describe what they are, but I don't think anything that we could say on the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, all right, so that that somber note, uh, let's let's leave this on a higher note because everything is changing, like you said, Doug. In two weeks, uh, we might be talking about the future of archaeology entirely because. I mean, you can really foresee something happening this year where all these construction projects, everything is winding down. Archaeologists might be finding other jobs uh, when this all kicks back off again because of the uncertainty in the whole process. Uh, The natural uncertainty we have in a good economy and then the uncertainty placed on us by this circumstance. What is this going to look like in 2021? You know, are we going to have, you know, just a complete lack of people in the field and then, and then not being able to find enough people to fill these jobs. And then what does that do for construction projects? And ultimately, I I don't know if the world, uh, the world, the United States would even be able to handle that. If they say all these things are stopping because archaeologists aren't going back to work or, or found other jobs and we don't have enough people graduating. Well, then they just gut all the policies that give us jobs. You know, I could hundred percent see that happening. that would be just one more nail in the coffin.
3: Or on the other hand, I can see the other thing happening. Yeah. Because if you think back, last time we had this happen, they put a bunch of people to work doing archaeology. And from that, we even got CRM. So we had the laws and everything like that decades after the first contracted jobs where the government paid universities to have people who are excavators, you know, not even necessarily archaeologists, go out and do a bunch of archaeology on what were called back then historic sites. So we could have the opposite could be a renaissance. It could be a make-work type thing where a bunch of people who otherwise wouldn't even thought about archaeology because they need to find some kind of a way cuz we're right decades behind on evaluating half of our, you know, public lands and stuff like that and there's, you know, more work than the park service or forest service or anyone could really ever do and they've always been hamstrung by budget. They could actually just take mm-hmm. a dump truck of cash and pour it into archaeology. And we could be back bigger than ever before.
2: And there are some there are some projects that we're starting to kind of that are coming up on our radar for my company. And you know we have some clients that are looking at different options and stimulus money and and certain grants that are being talked about that is going to supposedly increase some of this work. So okay, you know we'll see. Time will tell. that That would be very nice. You're never going to run out of archaeologists.
4: <laughs> Unemployment's going no, to be at
2: like twenty
4: percent at the end of the month,
1: <laughs> right?
4: Yeah, that that's not going to be like on anyone's radar that there's going to be too much work. Yeah, that, that's going to be even the tens of thousands of ex-archaeologists when they have nothing else to do because you know twenty percent unemployment. Yeah, they will jump in to do archaeology.
1: Sure. All right, guys. Well, on that note, let's uh, let's call this episode. But I will leave you with some some funny things I saw today. This being Easter, because every Easter, uh, I at least see through my feed because I'm not that religious of a person. Although I've seen religious people posting these things, but you always see like zombie Jesus, right? That it comes around every every Easter. <laughs> zombie Jesus jokes. I'm but I'm seeing I'm seeing. <laughs> Oh, my God. So I'm seeing so many things these days saying how Jesus was taken into custody for violating stay-at-home orders for coming out of the tomb. That I did see. Or <laughs>
2: orders. I saw him coming so. out of the tomb. <laughs> and, like, police comes by and say, don't even think about it.
3: <laughs> exactly. I also saw some, exactly. exactly. Yeah. some folks who are native that I know were joking on Facebook about how now the whole world is a reservation <laughs> and that they understand oh, what it's geez. like. So they understand, you know, it's sad that everyone's going through this, but Native people, and this is from Native people who posted this on social media, so.
2: I think that's an excellent point, and I think all of us need to use this (laughs) as an example that, I mean, on a kind of serious note, to have compassion for each other and to understand that, you know, when you look at people that are on unemployment, you know, there are going to be a lot of people gonna be on unemployment for the very first time in their life, and Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll it'll give them compassion moving forward.
1: Yeah, remove some of the stigma from the people that have to do it more frequently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
1: All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining me on this holiday and this uh, and I don't mean my birthday, but (laughs) this holiday Uh and this uh, shorter show. And hopefully we can still keep finding stuff to talk about because without certain projects and things going on, you know, that's going to start getting lean. So, hey, take I'll take that opportunity to tell people, anybody listening to this show, you know, post on Facebook, Twitter, find our contact info on the show notes and uh, submit your um, suggestion topics. What are some things you'd like to hear us talk about? What are some things you'd like to hear our opinion? On uh, what what are some things you'd like to hear Doug and Steven disagree with me about? So we'll Most just leave it right think. there. And I uh, know, <laughs> right? Like, like what topics aren't you going to disagree with them about? Anyway, so thanks everybody for coming on, and uh, again, happy holiday. I know this was a week and a half ago for people listening to this in real time, but still, hopefully your April's not going too bad. And, and as I said, have said at the end of the last few shows, hopefully the world hasn't ended by the time you hear this. So, <laughs> thanks everybody, and we'll see you next time. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash Podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at archpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything. I just did. Uh, <laughs> oh, his line just grayed out for me. I don't know oh, if he did that on purpose.
3: Oh, no, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, my God. He just shut
1: his internet off? That's the new oh, response. Oh, my god! <laughs> he just hangs up? It's because of the right? jokes we were making
3: earlier, man. The internet is getting us back for that kind of inappropriate stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Is he going to be able to come back or not?
1: I don't know. His line just ungrade for me. I'm just about to stop it. Doug's about to lose his chance to say anything. I'm going to have to put in a sound effect.
2: contact us at chris at com.
1: Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US dollars a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.
0: You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me.
1: Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw.